It begins in verses 10 to 12, insisting that the future is fixed and we cannot know what comes after us under the sun. And then our passage ends, chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14, insisting that prosperity and adversity come from God, and again, that we cannot know what will be after us under the sun. The ability of wisdom to help us under the sun is limited, isn't it? But that does not mean that there is no value at all in wisdom under the sun. Because within the limits, in fact, there are some things that are wiser than others. Not that will change the things God's appointed, but things which are better under the sun. And that's the bulk of our passage, chapter 7, verses 1 to 11. So, given the limits, what is comparatively better to do in our few days under the sun? Well, if you ask the world, the world actually has a very clear answer to this question. Do you see it everywhere? Ask the world, what is your best life now? And the world will say, it is to be in the house of feasting and giggling and partying. It is consumption and anger and pride. It is grand intentions and new beginnings. Yet the scripture we have before us today gives a very different answer. What is your best life now according to this scripture? It is the house of mourning and sadness and sorrow. It is patience and death and rebuke. It is endings and obituaries. How different these two are, and how attractive the house of feasting is, isn't it? Who doesn't long for eating and drinking and joy and merriment? But with a little thought, I believe we will realize just how wise this passage really is. Let me ask you first of all, what wisdom do we learn from going to that house of feasting? What, what benefit do we get? What company do we keep? The house of feasting is, in short, the house of distractions. Here, our hearts are turned away from struggle and sorrow and death. Here, we deceive ourselves that all is well. We feel that we will always live and never die. Like Noah, in his drunken stupor, we start to live there shamelessly, as if judgment never comes. Like Israel in the wilderness, we eat and drink and rise up to play. Our hearts soon run to immorality and idolatry, and we cast off all restraint. Until in the end, we join the other guests of that house and go, like so many wretched adulterers, to dine with the dead. For make no mistake, bad company ruins good morals. This is the song of the fools, that we can eat and feast there forever. But that song is just loud and useless crackling of burning thorns. For one day, the illusion must shatter, and every one of us must unavoidably die. Come with me to see some nursing homes. What would you hear there? I will tell you what you hear there. From many, from so many of them, you will hear them with helpless tears in their eyes say, my children rarely visit me. 
My grandchildren are kept away from me. I feel abandoned and forgotten and left here to die. And this is very often why the children do not visit. It is because they cannot bear to look upon their own future. They cannot stand to be reminded that they too will very soon be snatched from the house of feasting and thrown onto a deathbed of their own. How can we carry on enjoying the lives of the house of feasting if we have to see our parents, those who once seemed like strength and hope and everything we, we knew, lying like that and know that we are next? And so we throw great parties for the birth of a new baby who has done nothing, neither good nor bad, but then we shuffle away awkwardly to avoid those who have often lived their whole lives for our sakes. Sometimes we think, we don't say, but sometimes we think that it would even be better for the elderly to die faster and stop burdening our lives. We don't say it. What a terrible evil we learn in that house of feasting. This is the reason that the world insists that looking younger is better than looking older, that black hair is better than gray hair, that makeup is better than wrinkles, that we can wear clothes to hide our age as if somehow we can look forever young and death will not come. The house of feasting tells us that perhaps we are finally that generation who will live and never die. But it is lying to us, just as it lied to every generation that came and lived and died before us. No wonder we get so angry when the Lord God gives us affliction. But the wise are not caught by the foolish traps of that house of horrors. For the wise know a better house to which they can go. The wise, chapter 7 and verse 2, know that it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. And why? Because there we learn the end of all mankind and lay it to heart. Come to some funerals, listen to the eulogies. How he once dined with kings and presidents, a captain of industry, a giant of commerce. How she was so fashionable, with a bright red sports car, her imported music, the designer perfumes. How they once feasted like there was no end. But look again, where are they now? And the things they so loved, whose will they be? All that remains is that horrid smell of death seeping out of a plywood box. And that too will soon be buried out of sight. The house of mourning, the house to which we all must eventually go, shows us that in the end, a good name is better than any of the things of the world. Think of the woman in our gospel reading. Was it not so much better for her to lavish her precious perfume upon Christ and be remembered for this beautiful thing than to keep it, although it was worth such a huge sum? And we would do well to learn the same.
For I promise you, I have never heard a dying man telling me of how he wished he had done less good or given less to the needy or spent less time with the ones he loved. Perhaps there was a day when he thought these things, when he was in the house of feasting, he thought he should look after number one and build up treasure on earth. But how quickly he becomes ashamed of those thoughts in the house of mourning. Be wise. Learn the lesson of that house before you have to go there. For verse 4, for the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. If we are wise, we will live our lives now for the day of death and not in spite of it. And if we do this, it will shape our whole lives in big ways. It will mean first and foremost that we will want to stay away from those who would pull us into that house of feasting. Particularly, verse 7, it, we will stay away from those who practice oppression and bribery, those who would corrupt us and madden us. The house of mourning teaches us the same as the first psalm, not to walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. The house of mourning also warns us against living for fevered dreams and big future plans. The house of mourning shows us that it is never what we have planned to do that counts, but what we have actually done and are doing. Those who spend their time in the house of feasting often console themselves like this. They say to their hearts, well, one day when I am fat and rich, I will then do good and give and love my neighbor. But then the day comes that their breath departs and they return to the earth and their plans perish with them. And what good have those plans done? They have only stored up wrath for the day of wrath. Whereas verse 8 puts it, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Don't look at what you plan to do, but what you have done. For I'm sure there is not a tombstone in the world that says he had once planned that one day he would do good things. The other thing the house of mourning teaches us is the great blessing of being rebuked. Go into the house of feasting and try to rebuke and correct those who are there. Tell them of how they're neglecting their neighbors and their children and their God. See what you get for your trouble. The house of feasting tells us to reply, how dare you tell me I'm wrong? How dare you tell me what to do? But the house of mourning shows the great blessing it is to be rebuked by the wise. If we are living in the light of death, then it is far better for us to hear the rebuke of the wise while we can still be helped than the useless song of fools, isn't it? So don't get angry if you are corrected. Instead, give thanks to God that there is someone who cares enough about you that they will warn you off the road to disaster. As my favorite psalm puts it, Psalm 141 and verse 5, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. 
I hope that you agree with me that in fact this wisdom from the house of mourning is much greater, is it not, than the wisdom from the house of feasting. And blessed is the one whose heart is there and lays it to heart. And yet I want to tell you today that there is yet one more house, a house with a wisdom even greater than the house of mourning, and that is a house of a very specific mourning, the mourning of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the house of the cross teaches us a wisdom finally beyond that under the sun. The house of the cross teaches us that yes, death is the end of all mankind, but there is one who can bring us through death into life eternal. The house of the cross shows us the perfect one, the one who, as St. Peter says, suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. The house of the cross gives us a wisdom that says that if we trust in him, then we can be forgiven and have life beyond the grave. If the house of mourning taught us to live well, to live wisely, to end well, the house of the cross teaches us to live wisely for a new beginning with life in Christ. The other thing the house of the cross teaches us is that there is a good place for feasting. It is not the feasting on earth as we hide from death, but a feasting in the heavens, beyond death, in eternal life. A feasting which our Lord Jesus Christ spoke of even as he had the last supper with his disciples. You remember, as he ate and drank, he did it looking forward to eating and drinking again in the kingdom of God. Where, as Isaiah says, we will eat and drink with him. A feast of fine food and well-aged wine. That gives us wisdom, doesn't it? The house of the cross gives us wisdom to even deny ourselves in this world patiently waiting for the feast which will never end in the world to come. The other thing the House of the Cross teaches us is that joy is there too. It teaches us not to look for the joy on earth. Those who often go to the House of Feasting here on earth will soon find that their joy turns to sorrow as death brings an end to their evil. But if we are wise, we will know that true joy is always found where the Lord Jesus Christ is, at the right hand of the Father, where there is pleasure forevermore, where the Lord God swallows up death forever and wipes away tears from every eye. The house of the cross teaches us that we can indeed face whatever affliction we have under the sun, knowing for sure that it is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, let me close with three things to urge you. The first is this. If you realize that you are passing your life in the house of feasting, living as if you will not die, that it will never stop, then stop. Get out of that house of destruction before it is too late. No matter what you try, you cannot change what God has determined. 
Death is still the end of all mankind, of you as it is of me. Only a fool tries to live as if it's not. Get out of that house. Secondly, I urge you to live in the wisdom from the house of mourning for those few days which are left under the sun. It means seeking a good name rather than great possessions. It means staying clear from the wicked and their evil ways. It means living in the light of death. It means valuing those who would rebuke us in wisdom and, and things like that. But thirdly and finally, and most importantly of all, we need to live for the greatest wisdom there is, the wisdom of the cross. Now, I'm very aware that this is the last time I've been rostered to speak to you here, and so I don't want you to miss this last thing. And take careful notes. This is the most important wisdom, and that is to trust in the Lord Jesus who died for us in our place for our sins. To trust in God's promise that if we repent and turn to him, we are forgiven and given sure and certain promises of life. There is no wisdom greater than this, nor will there ever be. It alone gives us assurance beyond the grave. So spend no more time in the house of feasting, but find the house of the cross. And when you do, stay there till the end. Keep your heart firmly at the foot of the cross. Trust surely in Jesus. Live for his kingdom and know that no matter what you go through meanwhile, whether he gives us prosperity or adversity, we are safe in the hands of the one who loved us so much. He died to save us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wisdom of your word by which we see the folly of this world, the deceits of the flesh and of the devil. We pray, Father, that you would help us to live wisely in this world, that we would live in the light of death and judgment to come. We pray that you would help us to live seeking a good name and not the things of this world. Most of all, Father, we pray that you would help us to find that greatest wisdom, the wisdom of the death of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to save us. And we pray that you would help us to know the depths of that love, to trust in him for forgiveness and everlasting life. Pray, Father, that you would help us to stay firm in him to the very end, until the day when we will sit in your house and eat and drink are in pleasures forevermore. Father, we pray that you would do these things graciously in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand and we will sing the Nunc Dimittis, the Song of Simeon, that is found on page 10 of the yellow booklet. Page 10 of the yellow booklet.
remain standing as we are, we shall now proclaim our faith in the words of the Apostle Creed on page 11. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe